the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. I've got to tell you some exciting, exciting news. I was I was in, I think I've told you, I told you yesterday's show, I was in Memphis with Mike Lindell and General Mike Flynn, and uh, someone was listening to the show, this show here, the Pro-America Report, and they said, we got to get this on uh, more stations. we got to get it uh, broadcast further. They want to send the podcast out. People are paying attention to the Pro-America Report. So thank you to our listeners and uh, all the team that puts it together. Well, here's a couple things I want to pick up. we got some great interviews tonight. Uh, we will talk with uh, Dr. Decker back from a sabbatical, brief sabbatical, uh, and also Dr. Everett Piper, our old friend, the former uh, university president who's got another book out. He's a great guy. The, book, the new book is called Grow Up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. We'll talk with them, and um, we will finish up. I will explain to you how there's yet another government agency spying on us. And, you know, as I was getting ready for today's uh, wink, what you need to know, I was thinking, well, should I talk about the Chauvin case, you know, that he was, uh, the, the officer was found guilty on all the charges? Well, I talked about that. Uh, should I talk about the... Um, the uh, crazy reaction, some of the reactions, you know, LeBron James reacted, said that's just the beginning. We're going to go after other cops. Uh, you know, there's a whole list of things to cover. And then I thought, well, I, I want to bring up to you because Dr. Piper coming up in a minute, Dr. Decker coming up in a minute. These guys are out there as voices. Uh, I, I was forwarded a story uh, that I wanted to uh, refer you to. And, and that is the story of the College of the Ozarks. College of the Ozarks is a college that... Uh, a college down in Missouri. It's in it's uh, the town. It's in is Point Lookout, which is a tiny little town. It's just basically the town where College of the Ozarks is, and it started as a um, a kind of um, a, a local school. And their policy was it was lots and lots of working class kids, a lot of farmers, and people that came there. You had to work to pay your way through. And it was not a public school; it was a private school. It was always a Christian school. You know, it wasn't independent. It wasn't independent. It wasn't non. Uh, it wasn't uh, secular. It was a Christian school, and everybody worked there. Nobody was exempt. And they at, at a certain point, when universities were sort of pulled into the federal system, which we've talked a lot about, which is when they try to make the schools in order to get all the loans and the loans, uh, the loan guarantees of the feds to get students, the schools all have to salute, right? You know, if, if you want to grab someone, uh, want to get someone's attention, grab them by the wallet. Have you ever heard that phrase? And so you grab them by the wallet by saying, hey, well, you want all this money and access. Well, now if you're a university, you have to abide by this rule and that regulation and this. It's, uh, it's the uh, old, uh, you know, carrot over the stick. Uh, you want the money, you'll do what we say and set it up the way we want to. College of the Ozarks always refused. They just refused. They never did that. Well, they have decided to sue uh, the federal government because they are be trying to they're, they're trying to force them to abide by the Fair Housing Act, which the Fair Housing Act uh, covers 
any housing, not just now. This is named at universities. This isn't a, a, a something that falls under the the uh, pressure that the government does through universities. This is something that they're doing through the Fair Housing Act, which is a catch-all law passed to stop discrimination. So the, this discrimination, you know, the, and this was in a period where you know, fifty years ago, forty years ago, even probably, and could happen now, there would be um, uh, a discrimination by by race, you know, against African Americans. So the, the, this being the Biden administration and this being the far left, they're using the law, lawfare. We've talked about it before, lawfare. And they, they're trying to force the College of the Ozarks to make the dormitories and shower spaces, et cetera, et cetera, open to the opposite sex and also especially have to deal with the transgender stuff. So you would think that this would be something that would gather together the forces of liberal small L liberal, I don't know, big L liberal, people that respect freedom, the ACLU maybe, maybe the other universities, they'd all gather in and say, oh good, someone's pushing back on the government being a bully. We'll join into that. We want to be a part of that. And you would be wrong. That absolutely no other entity, ACLU, uh, the other universities, uh, no one has joined in. So you have College of the Ozarks standing alone. In fact, I think they do. I'm trying to look at their website. They have a little a logo. Uh, they call themselves hard, hard. It's College of the Ozarks is the actual name of the school, but they call it Hard Work U is the nickname because everybody works there. They work at jobs, combination jobs and, and whatever to, 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 to pay your uh, tuition. So that's the only one standing up. Now, my point here is reminds me of Mike Lindell. My point here is it reminds me of Mike Flynn. My point here is it reminds me of uh, of certain members of the Senate, you know, Holly, Cruz at times, who st- Rand Paul, who just stand up. They don't wait for a coalition. They don't wait for the institutional backing. They just stand up. They just stand up and say the truth. And frankly, they're not rewarded for it. They're punished for it. They're not rewarded for it. They're not encouraged for it. They're not flooded with support and solidarity. They're punished for it. You know, I, I, we will talk with Dr. Everett Piper, and I plan to ask him the question about, you know, how he's been doing, because he's been such a public voice of real conservatism coming out of higher education. It's very uncommon. I mean, even the people that are at places like Hillsdale, they, 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 they you know, Victor Davis Hanson is an exception. Uh, Dr. Larry Arn is an exception. But a lot of the professors, they're just doing their job, right? They want to teach kids and all. Uh, Dr. Everett Piper stepped up and, and led on this and talked publicly about how corrupt and broken our system is. And so they paid a huge crowd. Uh, he's paid a huge price in terms of negative attention. But he's one of those guys that doesn't care because he's kind of fearless. And my point here is, not only do we need to be aware, pardon me, not to self-censor ourselves, not to step back from what's happening, but we also need to be ready and be able and be willing to be out front, to lead out front. Whether it's a College of the Ozarks, whether it's a uh, whether it's a uh, Dr. Everett Piper, whether it's a voices in your own church in your own community, you know, you, you we, and these can be role models, right? You when you see someone standing up, you can take that role model, and you can say, "Hey, I, I can see how I can do that in my life. I can see how I can model that in my life. I can see how in my community I could support someone like that. Find some way to support the people like that." Because, you know, we we are now facing these forces, real forces of, of you need to say negativity or you can say really evil. Right. But whatever they are, the, the evilness of it, it's meant to make you pull back. 
It's meant to make you self-censor. This young cop in Norfolk, Virginia, who gave a few dollars to Kyle Rittenhouse for his defense fund, he's been fired now by his department. After, I think, almost 20 years, could be more than that, 20 years or so on the on the force, he, including a he's a lieutenant, including an officer, a well-regarded guy, fired. And he wasn't fired because of giving the money to Kyle Rittenhouse. Nobody should have known that. That was a private, personal decision, free speech, free expression. No, that the data of who gave to Kyle Rittenhouse was leaked. And when it was leaked, it was a data breach. People on the left decided to vet who had given... And then when they saw oh, this guy's a cop, they made a big deal out of it. And and they're rewarded. So the forces of nastiness, evil, were rewarded by the people who fired that cop. And so that's a bad example, by the way. I mean, College of Ozarks is a good example. Mike Lindell's a good example. Dr. Everett Piper's a good example where you're standing up. But it's, my point is it's going to come at a cost. It's going to come at a cost. And we have to find ways to stand up for each other, model uh, the leadership, but also model the solidarity. And, you know, Dr. Piper will probably talk about it. I mean, he comes out of the Christian uh, higher education. You know, you, you turn to the scripture, you turn to the inspiration of the of the uh, of the not just the founders, but of the disciples and the apostles for solidarity, for strength, for uh, continuing uh, uh, persistence, even after faltering, stumbling. There's a lot of things that we can do together. But boy, oh boy, it's uh, first thing is to recognize the good guys. The College of Ozark, congratulations on that. We appreciate it. Dr. Piper coming up in a few moments after this break. Don't forget, please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. And uh, you can follow us there for our daily wink and also all these great interviews. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our old friend, Dr. Everett Piper. The man is an extraordinary uh, gift to America. His DrEverettPiper.com, DrEverettPiper.com. His, the book that I first knew him and we talked about, which I liked a lot, is called Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. His many years as a university professor and a president of university uh, went into that. And now he's got a new book that's just out. Um, I think, in fact, he'll tell me, he'll correct me. It's out maybe in the next uh, yeah, April 27th. So the next 10 days or so, a little bit less than a week, it's called Grow Up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. I thought, Dr. Piper, that one of these books should be called From Plato to Play-Doh, The Dumbing Down of America. But maybe that'll be your next one. So, Dr. Piper, welcome back to the program. How are you today? Hey, thanks for having me on, Ed. Just one point of correction. The book already has been released, so it can be purchased right now. Oh. Okay, great. Thank you for that. Yes, good. I'm looking at it, I think, on barnesandnoble.com, too. So, oh, there, you're right. Sorry, it would be delivered by then. Yeah, you're right. I apologize. Good. Uh, Grow up. So, uh, now, let me ask you, because you, in a way are an embodiment of a guy who they can't cancel because you were president you were president of a university that was a conservative university a christian university so you were doing what you're supposed to do you don't you know you have sort of an you're insulated it's you're not a public figure who needs you know your um uh you know your television show on fox or something you know you don't need anything but i imagine they've still come to try how how has the scrutiny of your work and your writing and you've written columns for the washington times and others how, how are these last few years been have you found yourself at the center of a of a lot of attacks 
Well, it's interesting. Um, the evangelical church is probably the key entity that reaches out to attack me. Isn't that interesting? Huh. I get atheists. Yeah. I get atheists contacting me saying thank you. It needed to be said, but yet I get uh, evangelical Christian college professors saying that you're a big meanie and you need to stop. You need to stop attacking our students. I mean, it's, the church has bought the lie. The church has imbibed the Kool Aid. The church ha- is more interested in affirming sin today rather than preaching confession and repentance. Uh, please don't ever talk to me about an affirmation church again. I want a confessional <laughs> church. <laughs> yes, but that's a different different yeah. story, different time. Uh, and now another another thing I want to mention, and you people should follow uh, Dr. Everett Piper on Twitter. It's at Dr. Everett Piper, D-R, not uh, doctor spelled out. Uh, tweet from uh, uh, earlier this morning, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Wednesday morning, critical theory is the exact opposite of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the church. Uh, it feels like the critical theory movement has picked up so moment, so much momentum, and a lot of folks don't know how to articulate what you just said. In other words, it's not just that it's a bad idea. It's and when you say it's the opposite of of the gospel of Christ, I mean that makes it evil. It doesn't make it uninteresting. It doesn't make it ineffective. It makes it evil. That's a little bit more to me. That's a little bit more um, accurate and necessary at this time to say that. Well, in my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good, I have a chapter in there on this very issue. It's a chapter on the self-centeredness, the selfishness, the narcissism, the perpetual navel-gazing of all of the identity politics that are going on in our culture right now. I would argue that a common theme of all of the junk that we have to deal with today in cancel culture, whether it be about Black Lives Matter, whether it be critical race theory, whether it be LGBTQ, uh, whether it be the Snowflake Rebellion, trigger warnings, microaggressions, the call for safe spaces, all of this is a childish whine of I want mine, I feel offended, you hurt my feelings, I'm going to pick up my ball and I'm going to go home. It's the childishness of the agendas, the self-centeredness of these agendas that I that leads me to conclude it's the antithesis of the gospel. The gospel says you're to die to self. You're to become a new creation in Christ. The old has died. Behold, the new has come. You're transformed. You are born again. You're not born in that way. All of these messages of the gospel are adult messages, adult ideas, ideas that call for us to grow up, as the Apostle Paul told the church in Corinth and told the Ephesus, the church of Ephesus. He told them, speak the truth, not feelings, not opinions, speak the truth in love and grow up. Set aside childish things, childish ideas, self-centeredness, and grow up. That's the reason I titled my book this. We need to grow up and act like adults and stop the perpetual adolescent navel-gazing and recognize that life isn't supposed to be safe. It's not a safe space. It's a place to learn, to grow, to set yourself aside and focus on something more important than you. We're talking with uh, Dr. Everett Piper in his book again, a new book uh, out just a few weeks. Grow up, life isn't safe, but it's good. Uh, how how have you, as a as a professional educator, how have you how do you process what's gone on in the last year and a few months with regard to education? And and I'll say it in the way that you'll recognize how I feel about it. But you know, we say we care about our kids, we put them first, and yet 
probably the other than small businesses and 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 some some particular fields of work nobody's had it harder this last year than students they we put our kids into a meat grinder and just kept grinding and it's it's such um it's such a strange thing to realize that people aren't literally forget i mean no disrespect but marching in the street because of of you know uh murders okay i mean i, I and and justice okay but what's happening to our kids uh, and in particular of course uh k through 12 it's just devastating well we've we've proven that we don't under, uh, don't understand what cs lewis told us about putting first things first we have put safety as our top priority we've sacrificed all of our freedoms and we've taught our children that safety is more important than anything else in life if somebody else tells me be safe i'm just going to strangle them i don't want to hear about being safe I want to hear about the good things of life. And education, even when you go back to school, I wrote an article a couple weeks ago when Joe Biden was saying we need to get our kids back in school. I said, why? Why? What are you going to teach them when you get them there? Are you going to teach them more of this nonsense? Are you going to teach them more of critical theory? Are you going to teach them more that males are females and females are males? Are you going to deny biology, deny science? Are you going to deny reality? Why would I want kids back in that are you going to teach them that safety is more important than liberty and freedom? Are you just going to double down on this childish daycare attitude that we're going to be protected our entire lives from everything that might possibly harm us? This is the nature of what's going on today. Maybe we ought to teach things to our kids like debate is good, disagreement is good, a little cognitive dissonance is good, maybe pursuing truth rather than protecting your opinions is good. None of these things feel safe because the kids don't like it, but it's that challenge that helps them to grow. It is. Again, we're talking with uh, Dr. Everett Piper. His book is Grow Up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. Uh, I, I can't resist because you, you were a university president, so you, you would have had to face this. So you're not now. Um, there, states are failing to pass protections to protect women's sports, you know, uh, well, women's sports, young girls sports from this transgender invasion. And um I guess I'm, I know where I'm going to get this. I, I bet I know the answer. But are you surprised that there's not more um, courage in the education field to say, wait a second, even though I'm a liberal, this is too far? Because there's not really any resistance. Uh, most of the time they're rolling over and just saying, you know, oh, the NCAA may be unhappy with us. Therefore, we won't pass this protection. No, I'm not surprised. In fact, the poster child of this problem right now is Colorado uh, excuse me, not Colorado, uh, College of the Ozarks. College of the Ozarks just filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration for trying to impose transgender issues on its campus. And College uh-huh. of the Ozarks is standing alone. No one else is joining with them. Where are all the other Christian colleges to raise their hand and say, we support College of the Ozarks? They're right. Women shouldn't have to give over their support to men. College of the Ozarks is standing alone right now because the rest of the Christian college community is spineless. You know, Bonhoeffer said silence in the face of evil is evil. Well, the silence of the Christian college community right now is screaming. The silence is deafening. Where are these people? Their silence is shouting volumes. They don't care. They don't have a spine. I cover that in my book, Grow Up, too. Uh, there's a chapter in there that says uh, je- you can't nail jello to a wall. And I'm referencing the fact <laughs> that we lack leadership in our culture. 
Yeah, it is. Um, I, by the way, does anybody ever call you up after they hear you and say, "Will you come run our university?" I would think they would. I, are you just you had enough of that? Uh, that that was a different season in your life. Uh, actually, uh, yeah, no, I don't want to do that anymore. It's hurting cats. Peter Drucker once said, "There are two organizations in the world that you can't lead. It's impossible to change them." The church and the college, and <laughs> they're dysfunctional. By <laughs> and you're and you're working and you're working hard in both. All right, well, Di, we appreciate you be plugging along again. The book is "Grow Up: Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good." Regnery uh, uh, Publishing. Dr. Everett Piper. You can follow him on follow him on Twitter at Dr. Everett Piper. His website is dreverettpiper.com. Thanks very much, uh, Dr. Piper. We appreciate you. Thanks, Ed. All right, we'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report, back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. It's been too long. Dr. Brett M. Decker, the uh, New York Times bestselling author, professor at Defiance College. He has been a journalist in uh, the Far East for the Wall Street Journal. He has been an editorial page editor in the uh, Near America at uh, the Washington Times and currently is also on the Board of Advisors. I think that's the term for the editorial page of the USA Today. And uh, Dr. Decker, welcome back. First of all, um, let's get an update on higher education. I know you're at Defiance College in Ohio. And I don't know if you can speak to your colleagues at other universities. Are 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 a lot of places back uh, in person? Is it mixed bag? What's the what's the sort of uh, flow in higher ed right now? Yeah, higher ed. It's kind of funny. Higher ed's kind of decided they want to do anything to be back full time. So I mean, mm-hmm. it's funny. All these all these liberals in higher ed are kind of echoing stuff that they would have been supposedly appalled that Trump was saying before. So any little uptick in positive news they grab onto and any kind of negative news, they kind of, they kind of hide. So even places like uh, Michigan that has pretty high numbers, the worst in the country, they're all, all talking about everything being back to normal in the fall. Well, well, why is that? Right. Well, it's because Trump's not president anymore. So, people are suddenly becoming a little more practical or a little more realistic about how life has to go on right in in a a pandemic or so-called pandemic or whatever it uh yeah and and you uh and and yet we're watching the uh we're watching the sort of um we're, we're watching to see what happens next year in, in K through 12. And the teachers union still seem to have a, a uh, hammer lock on that. And, and maybe they don't go back. I mean, I, I'm not sure. What's your sense on that? And what's the importance of it? I tell you, you know, America needs to get its hold, get a hold on um, sort of this teacher union, um, a lock on, on not educating children in this country. Like, already a lot of these places where teachers are refusing to go in the classroom, they got pushed to the front of the list for vaccines. So they were vaccinated immediately. And then they're still refusing to go into the classroom. Oh, wait a second here. I, you know, so obviously it's, they like, they like laying in bed and, and uh, doing zoom class (laughs) or online class better. Right. They, they they already have the easiest schedule as far as almost any job in the country. And they want to make it even easier. Right. Well, we have a, we have a country of uneducated people now that are going to be easier right. for the left to control, and, and, and that's where we've gotten. 
The uh, we're talking with Dr. Brett M. Decker right now. Uh, 100 days into the Biden administration, I know those are such uh, they're artificial. They are artificial, uh, um, artificial, you know, uh, uh, measuring sticks. But what's your thoughts? It feels like 100 years ago. Uh, I mean, and it, 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 it feels like it's been like six months, and it's been you know less than three or around three. What's your thoughts right now? I, I, you know, I mean, I, I think we're going to see what happens, right? Everybody is sort of, we're kind of in the suspension of, of disbelief about what, what anything is going on in the world at all. So the media won't tell us anything, right? So who knows really what's going on? I, you know, I, you know, the, the economy one day might just go boom and there aren't going to be any warning signs because people aren't reporting accurately kind of financial data. So I think, you know, I think we'll see, right? The, the, the kind of international big hug fest that everyone thought would happen when Trump left hasn't, right? So um, you got problems in in Iran, you got problems with China. So I think I, the, the one thing, when people know the President of the United States isn't isn't there mentally and, 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 and nobody knows who's running the show, well, bad actors will take advantage of that vacuum of American power and try to try to do things to test to test the water to see you know how is america going to function to have a chief executive um who's not mentally capable well how does a chain of command work then right so um people like china iran they're going to try to take advantage of it i think i think also that's why you see israel taking action against um iranian nuclear facilities is because Israel's like, well, we better do it now because America's not going to do the right thing in this case, right? So, um, I think it's I think it's very interesting. But having an accurate reflection on a hundred days when when the press doesn't do its job, and that's that's who we rely on for information. There's really no way to know what's going on. So uh, we're talking with Dr. Brett M. Decker. Uh, Dr. Decker, I want to shift over to uh, to the rule of law and to the state of this country. Uh, a few hours ago, LeBron James tweeted a photograph of the police officer in this incident where there were two young girls trying to stab each other to death, and he shot to stop the stabbing, and, and one of the girls died. LeBron James tweeted, you're next, and then hashtag accountability and posted a picture of the young law officer. He's now de- deleted that. Everybody noticed it. How, I mean, the first comment is this, the first question is this: Is Twitter like the greatest um, uh, terrible influence we've ever had? It allows people to do the dumbest things and and do it in public for millions to see. Well, I, I think it's the technology, but it's a technology kind of attached to a culture that's sort of been loosened from its moorings you know so you know mm-hmm. if, if people had any courtesy or tact or intelligence then the technology wouldn't be a problem but we have a country that increasingly has no values and no discipline so technology can be misused right so i think i think that's i think that's a big problem you know the, the everything being instantaneous communication though right a lot of times you need to take a while and let the dust settle before you say something and Social media just doesn't allow that. So, right? It, 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 it's well, yeah, and you know, I w- creating riots. Yeah. And well, and I wonder, you know, you talk about you're teaching students. We're talking about Dr. Brett M. Decker, a professor at Defiance College in Ohio. Um, you know, I have a little rule that I don't always abide by, but when something torques me in an email, I, I reply and then I put it in the draft folder for a day. 
Now, at 24 hours, like a cooling off period. So I don't write because I too many too many times in my life I've written back and been like, you know what? This is why you're a moron and an idiot. And then you realize later, like, that just wasn't worth the trouble or whatever. Um, but the world, the, the other part of the world, we're <laughs> no, I didn't take that back one. Not that one. Not no, not that. No, not the one to you. No, you deserve that. But, uh, but the the uh, the speed with which people can reply. In other words, you can have a dumb thought and you can put it out in ten seconds. Whereas the old days, I, I have a dumb thought. I know what I'll do. I'll call my old buddy Brett Decker and I'll tell him my dumb thought, and it'll take me you know five minutes to call you, and you're not there because you're out golfing, you know, professor. And then I you know you have to call no, me back, and yeah. but you know, boy, yeah. It's, now it's like bam, I'm immediately going to put it up on Instagram or whatever. And you just are, you were just living with that, that spontaneity in addition to, so you get no filter, you get no, uh, no prudence, no time for prudence to take hold. The, the other dangerous aspect of it that increases the likelihood of miscommunication is that written communication, people think they're, they're expressing their thoughts more accurately than they are. So a lot right. of times, right, the receiver reads it differently than the sender thought it was set it, 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 it was written so right let I me mean, just see disagreements that can happen in email or social media because people type something thinking it's going to be seen one way and it's seen another well in real communication between people you can see facial expressions if well if a mask isn't covering their face anyway right so <laughs> it just increases, right. it increases the chances of 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 uh, problems and miscommunication and, and communication breakdown. Speaking of miscommunication, we're talking with Dr. Brett M. Decker. One of his many books is called Bowing to Beijing about the Obama administration and Obama's policies, sort of uh, uh, kowtowing to uh, Beijing and then the communist regime. I heard a commentator say, if you were China, if you were the communist regime, um, wouldn't you love to have America spend most of its time fighting about whether it's racist or not and, and being terrible to each other? Meanwhile, you got, you know, 60, 70, 80,000 Americans dying of Chinese made fentanyl and we're not making you know the chinese regime if you say hey you're putting the uyghurs in a concentration camp the chinese regime says you guys are racist you know you got people rioting in your streets at what point this was the commentator saying this and i'm picking it up at what point could we say that some of what we're seeing disinformation misinformation uh is is actually influenced or sponsored by the communist regime we know from the Cold War, or the last Cold War, I guess, that the Soviet Union did lots of these kinds of things, propaganda campaigns in America with sort of the hippie left and things. So I think it makes sense that the Chinese would be trying to do the same thing. So disinformation and cultural discord in, in our country. Um, so we don't have a unified front against something as obviously dangerous and threatening as China. But I think I think also, right, it gets back to that, you know, President Xi said this week that, um, you know, one reason we need to get rid of this Western dominance and American and U.S. dominance is to make a fairer world. And people don't even sense the irony of that coming from the Communist Party leader of China, right, That's, that kills its own people and, and, and puts them in concentration right. camps. So I think I think. When America doesn't believe in itself, when the West doesn't believe in itself, it just means it just means these other powers can say ridiculous things and fill the and fill the vacuum of influence. And I, I think it's dangerous, right? If if we believe in ourselves and are and are confident in our culture, then no one can touch us. But when we're not, it just it creates a, it creates a very dangerous situation. 
Yeah. All right. Well, Dr. Decker, it's, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're back in the saddle, and uh, and we appreciate you, uh, Dr. Decker, Dr. Brett M. Decker. You can uh, find his many books, New York Times bestselling author, uh, all over Amazon and Barnes and Noble. We'll talk again uh, very soon. Thank you, Dr. Decker. Yeah. Thank you. Know it's snowing here in Ohio. As crazy as that is. Are you serious? Wow. That's global yeah, warming. Yeah, right we got See? a couple global warming. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, stay well. Uh, we will take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional conservative perspective in our nation's capital. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. When Hispanics are asked what issues they care about most, immigration usually ranks only fifth. Hispanics who come from countries where big government is a permanent fact of life and where the economic system is based on bribery are very unlikely prospects for the Republican message of limited government and cuts in government spending. John McCain, the loudest advocate of amnesty in 2006 and 7, got only 31% of the Hispanic vote when he ran for president in 2008. Any amnesty plan, no matter how it is dressed up, is a formula for bringing in more people who support big government and big spending policies. A couple of coalitions have formed to try to convince religious groups that amnesty is a manifestation of Christian compassion to welcome the stranger. In fact, amnesty betrays the immigrants by forcing them to compete with a steady stream of new immigrants and guest workers, thereby ensuring that they will never be able to rise out of poverty and achieve the American dream. This was well understood by the famous advocate for the rights of Hispanic immigrants, Cesar Chavez. Long deceased, he is still such a Hispanic icon that the National Education Association, year after year, passes a resolution calling for a national holiday to honor Cesar Chavez, and it's already a state holiday in California. Chavez was vehemently opposed to illegals coming across the Mexican border because he knew they took jobs from legal immigrants. He ordered union members to call the Immigration and Naturalization Service and report illegals so our government could deport them. And he offered staff to the INS to serve as volunteer border guards to keep Mexicans from sneaking illegally into the U.S. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Illegal immigration burdens our schools and social services and opens doors to criminals and terrorists. Outdated visa programs divert jobs from Americans. PhyllisSchlafly.com chronicles these outrageous unfair practices and provides answers. Go online to PhyllisSchlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report, and it's time to uh, wrap things up. By the way, I want to say thank you. I haven't had him on in a while. We'll do it again soon. Dr. Everett Piper, who is a wonderful guy, and he is... Um 
He's really a great leader. His new book is Grow Up, as I mentioned during the interview with him earlier in the show. Life isn't safe, but it's good. If you go to ProAmericaReport.com, you'll see that interview there. I'll post it up there. Also, you can sign up for the Daily Wink. Dr. Piper, uh, Dr. Everett Piper.com, uh, pretty extraordinary guy. He um, he was watching a lot that was happening in the country when he wrote Dada, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. He was the president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University for 17 years, and uh, that's what we were referring to. I actually blanked uh, in that interview. I forgot his school. Uh, wh- what a wonderful guy. If you see him, you'll see him a, a bunch on um uh, Fox News and other places, the Value Voters Summit last year. Uh, just a really good guy. We uh, will have him back on again. Uh, let me uh, pick up a couple things. I did get from somebody a uh, story uh, sent to me. Our friend Lee Smith. If you haven't read Lee Smith's uh, books, you need to read more of Lee Smith. Lee Smith is the man whose book was the basis of the plot against the president. Uh, Lee Smith is an author. Uh, the Permanent Coup is, uh, I think that's the full title of the book, The Permanent Coup. The plot, excuse me, The Permanent Coup is one book. The Plot Against the President is another book um, and he writes at the tablet magazine epic times uh, super guy and on twitter at lee smith dc well lee tweeted earlier a story and i went to follow up on it and you need to know it uh, the united states postal service it has been revealed uh, lee lee tweeted this lee smith tweeted this he tweeted this another u.s excuse me another u.s bureaucracy tasked to spy on americans check the responses from liberal experts why is the post office doing it when there are other spy at uh, u.s agencies spying americans so this is the, what he's referring to is a story which posted over in Yahoo News and exclusive. The reporter has the U.S. Postal Service is running a, quote, covert oper- operation program to monitor Americans social media posts. What? So the United States Post Office that really can't deliver the mail well right now. You know, they've they've actually admitted that a regular, you know, first class postage is not going to be on average two days. It's now up to like three and a half days or something like that. They don't deliver the mail well. They're getting their lunch eaten by Amazon and uh, and other carriers, FedEx. So they're failing pretty significantly. And so what are they doing? If you're a bureaucracy in the American government or any government and you're failing, what do you do? Reinvent. Reinvent. Find something else to do to keep going. Now, the United States Postal Service, by the way, one of the things that they did do this last year, they were involved in the election. They became the big center of drop boxes. and how, So they were a partner in what I would say is the it, it, no matter what you think of the election. I think we can say this. I don't think this will get me knocked off of uh, social media or anywhere else if I say this. The 2020 election is an election that had some of the most troubling aspects of an election in terms of, in terms of voter confidence ever. Right? Partly from COVID, partly from uh, the changes in early voting, partly from some mistakes, partly because it was Trump and Biden and the turnout and all. Whatever it was, it was a voter confidence disaster. And the Postal Service was in the middle of it. And so now we have the Postal Service has decided or has been tasked with undertaking a a different issue, a different thing. They're going to be part of uh, of monitoring Americans. And as Lee Smith points out, aren't there like 10 other agencies that do that? I mean, don't we have literally like five or six? I know maybe not 10, but we have a bunch. Why does the U.S. Postal Service who in the U.S. Postal Service is qualified 
to run a covert operation program. Now, two things to say. As I said, when something is dying, a bureaucracy is dying and it becomes less useful. You find a new way to reinvent yourself to stay in business. That's what governments do. That's what bureaucracies do. There's plenty of examples, especially in education. You'll see that. But in this case, I want to warn you. We now have people in the government And I'm even willing to say it's both parties. I'm willing to say that, that there's a permanent bureaucratic bureaucratic class. It's not only, say, the deep state, which I think is a sort of distinctive quality of of something that resembles the uh, sort of national security uh, leaning things. But whatever you call it, a permanent bureaucratic class that believes they know better than everybody else. And that they will be in charge. And if you just think about it, a covert operation program to monitor American social media posts, who who judges that? Right. Who says what a an edgy tweet is? Who's in the group that this is like a fate? Remember when Facebook Facebook's got a Supreme Court somewhere off that they pay a bunch of people to be the Supreme Court of Facebook. This is the U.S. Postal Service. Some bureaucrats going to be in charge of saying we better do some more monitoring covertly. Of social media posts. And by the way, I didn't even know that the U.S. Post Service. I mean, why would they be online doing that? I mean, it's ridiculous, ridiculous. But back to my second point. First point was, wow, they're reinventing themselves to stay relevant. But number two is, and here I just say it like this: uh, under this presidency, with with Kamala Harris and Susan Rice and others in charge, Lisa Monaco now just got confirmed over to the Department of Justice. The, the John Carlin, the Department of Justice, people that were at the center of the lies about the FISA and the Steele dossier and targeting Flynn and all the rest. They're going to have the Postal Service at their, at their uh, beck and call, too? I mean, again, you want to just get cautionary about the size and scope of government growing, and as it does, how you can't control it. Here's another example. The U.S. Postal Service is going to be in charge of, our, uh, uh, of a covert operation to watch our social media. Wow. Wow. All right. We got to take a, we got to run. We got to run. We can't take a break. Got to run. Thank you as always to know our great technical director. Thank you to Joanna for booking our guests. Please visit proamericareport.com and check in there and we will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Talk to you tomorrow. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego.